cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, what does it all mean and why should you invest in it? Well, today we've got Josh Rhodes, CEO, founder of Crypto Y'all, uh, giving us the, the skinny on cryptocurrency. Welcome everyone to 1819 News, the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got a great episode for you today. Uh, before we jump into that and welcoming everyone, we got to tell you the most important thing we have to tell you every single podcast, and that's uh, to go to Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast, YouTube, since this is a video cast. Um, go there, subscribe, click the little bell thing so that you get notifications when, when, we, when we publish new podcasts. Uh, leave a review, tell your friends, um, tell, tell everyone how much you love the podcast. Cause we know you do. Um, we're, we're always asked, what can we do to support what you guys are doing? 1819 news. We're so happy, so proud, so excited about what you guys are doing. How can we help? Uh, the biggest help, uh, is, is getting the word out, help us get the word out. And, um, probably the best thing you can have people do is go to 1819news.com. And there's a red button up at the top that says subscribe, when you subscribe, you will receive a newsletter every single morning. Uh, the, the the vision and the picture of it is like an old school newspaper that gets thrown on your front front steps that you come out in your pajamas and your slippers and pick it up, except no need for the pajamas and slippers because it's hitting your inbox. And in that, you're going to get all the news of the day. You're going to get all the opinions of the day, and you're going to get all the podcasts that have been published recently. So you won't miss out on anything. So 1819news.com. Click the subscribe button, put in your email address. We won't sell your information, and it's absolutely free. So with that, I'll welcome everybody in. I'm Brian Dawson, the host and CEO of 1819 News, joined by my wonderful co-host, Ray Millick, who's the editor-in-chief of 1819 News. Ray, how you doing? I'm great, and I'm excited again. I want people to go to 1819news.com, not only for their podcast, but for their daily news updates. And we've got uh, tremendous content from a really growing stable of writers, and I'm excited about what we're doing as well from uh, the written word. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, We've, we've been able to accomplish a lot and build an incredible team in a short amount of time and pumping out content. And we're doing it for you guys, the people of Alabama. So um, help us out by signing up. Well, today uh, we are we have an, uh, an incredible guest. I'm going to say all kinds of nice, nice things about him, see if I can get him to blush on camera. Uh, Mr. Josh Rhodes, who is the CEO. Was that president, yeah. CEO, founder? Yeah. All those big words of uh, Crypto Y'all and Crypto Y'all. Uh, and, and see if I don't butcher this is, is essentially um, I think Southerners are a little more hesitant to get into the, the crypto investing space than maybe some other people. Uh, and it's such a great place to be in. And Josh is so well versed and so knowledgeable and passionate about it that he wants to help uh, his fellow Southerners get involved and get in the crypto game. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to just be talking about um, investing, right? Uh, money management. What is it? You know, one of the things that when we're not hyper-focused on covering legislative sessions and uh, elections and things like that, we're hoping to be able to use content to make everyone that follows us um, help them be more well-rounded, mm. uh, whether it's their family, whether it's their health, whether it's um, you know understanding government better, um, and why not talk about um, you know financial health and mm. financial wellness and um, steps that people can take uh, to start putting themselves in a better position financially. So, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, man. Honored to be here. Good stuff. Well, with that, why don't you, one of the things we like to do, no matter who we have on, is just we want to we want to get to know the people that, that come on here. And if you could um, tell us about yourself, tell us where you're from, tell us about your your wife, your kids, things you're passionate about. Who Who is Josh Rhodes? Well, I'm an Alabamian. There you uh, go. And uh, I grew up in northwest Alabama. Uh, in Haleyville, Alabama, specifically, home of 911, for all of you who did not know that. Uh, a lot of good history there. Um, wife and three daughters, and I grew up in a house. I have a younger brother uh, in Huntsville, and uh, dad was a Marine uh, in Vietnam. Uh, household was just, you know, your good old-fashioned country, Alabama, middle income, you know, part of the society and grew up in church and played baseball, played baseball in college here in Alabama and uh, w just doing my best every day, kind of like you guys at 1819, to be proud of where I'm from and to help the rest of the world see 
how special Alabama actually is. But we got to be real careful with that, right? We don't want to advertise too hard, and then all the people right. start moving. There's a happy now, medium. Now I'm now I'm an American refugee, right? And so <laughs> I came here. I always make the joke that I basically, when you see these Cuban people coming over, you know, and they they come to the tip of Florida like floating on a, like a piece of wood. And they're like the most happy people they could possibly be to be American. And they make great <laughs> citizens. That's me coming from Colorado. Right. And so um, I do want to be one of the beneficiary transplants. But you got to be real careful about most of the people coming from Colorado and these yes. other places. So um, we'll we'll try and get the people of Alabama pumped up about where they live so they can be excited about it. But we it's occupational hazard. We got to be real careful. That's right. And we don't want too many people to find out. That's right. So, well, good stuff. Um, what uh, where did you play baseball? Played at Stanford University here in Birmingham. Oh, wow. I yep. did not know that. And see, I know you, and I didn't know that. Yep, and if you, you can't tell by looking at me, but I was a catcher. I, I had that. <laughs> was your uh, Who's your favorite catcher? Oh, Yvonne Rodriguez. I was just going to say Pudge, Pudge Rodriguez, yeah. but I didn't want you to get offended. Uh, no, no, anything, no. So, yeah. Everybody knows A-Rod. They don't yeah. sometimes think about I-Rod. That's, right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Hey, he was the best. And so growing up, I was on uh, my, my my local team was the Rangers, right? And oh, yeah. So, yeah, we had, a, we had a Pudge back there, too, so. So you played for Casey then, Casey Dunn? No, I played against Casey oh. uh, when he was at Auburn, actually. Okay. Um, You're yeah. a little older than I thought. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I look, right. I look younger than I yeah. am. Okay. But it's good, those silver flakes. I'm starting man. to get the Majestic. silver. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, good stuff. Um, so talk to us a little bit about um, your vocational background, I guess your career, and what got you into the point where you are a crypto investor. Yeah, so I'm a full-time crypto investor now, but before that, um, you know, I'm just a crazy serial entrepreneur. I've had my hands on all kinds of different organizations, whether it be a real estate marketing agency or an online training company for pastors, um, and uh, or or I'm an investor in other businesses like a payment failure recovery solutions, and I just really love uh, the free market. And I, for a for a long time, I was in the nonprofit sector, and a lot of people listening to this um, might resonate. I felt like I was supposed to be in the ministry um, because of my background, and just because of a lot of the, I guess, the system that I was that I came through, and I was miserable for like a decade in my career. And the the reason why is because I didn't really understand that I could do ministry also in in the in the Amen. marketplace, and. Uh, I was just a sales guy. My dad was a lumber salesman. Like I was a sales guy and I was an entrepreneur and I loved small business. And so I got into small business and, um, well, there's a long story there, but basically you, uh, you try to keep Robert Kiyosaki talks in, you know, rich dad, poor dad. And he has also the, the, his matrix, the, the four cash flow quadrants, you know, you move from employee to self-employed to business owner to investor. And so I've just been trying really hard to move to that investor part of the, um, quadrants because of the time freedom that I want to have with my family and, you know, and, and to do other awesome things and to be generous and benevolent in the community like my dad was. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I think the, uh, what is the doctrine, the priesthood of all believers essentially is that, right. you know, it's not, it's not just the minister though. We definitely don't want to shortchange the minister. They're doing incredible work. They're mm -hmm. making tons of sacrifices and, you know, as the word says that, you know, they're worthy of double honor. Mm. But at the same time, everyone who knows a little bit about God and a little bit about theology is not meant to be a pastor, right? And if we can go out and be salt and light, if we can go out um, and and be in the community and, and work and have employees and, and um, minister that way. So that's really cool. Yeah. So um, specifically more, um, when did you get into cryptocurrency and, um, you know, because that's, a, you know, my son uh, and I'm an old guy. We always joke about that. So my son <laughs> like gets heavy into this crypto thing and I'm going, it's imaginary. I, I don't, you know, it, it, there's nothing tangible about it and drives and, me and crazy. And don't, don't think it's because you're old, right? You, yeah. You're, you're a, a few decades, my senior. And so I go to lunch with Josh yeah. and I'm like, explain it to me. Yeah. So after like two batches of wings and two hours of explanation, I'm like, I still have no idea what you're talking about. No yeah. clue. Can't wrap my head around it. So. It's not just you, Ray. Okay, <laughs> so well, good because yeah, my son's all into this thing and and really you know up to date on it. I don't get it. So yeah. for dummies, yeah, now, where are we with cryptocurrency? That's a really really big question. It's kind of <laughs> like saying where are we with zoology? You know, it's like okay, well, I think it's important if you're an Alabamian or wherever you are listening to this, it's important to understand that. Well, let's just back up from the table and, and talk about the U.S. dollar. Okay. Let's start where we all where we all have common ground. Over the last 42 years or so, 
it's very apparent that central planning, central government, and and greed of Wall Street has um, would you would you agree rhetorically that they have either corrupted or um, affected the durability or the buying power of the U.S. Sure. dollar? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, forty percent of our U.S. currency was printed in the last few years. Mm. Yeah. So anytime you um, dilute the supply of a particular commodity or premium, it becomes less worthy. So everyone listening to this podcast has bank has money in the bank, no matter how much. And it's losing 20% of its buying power every single year. So Gosh. that's our common ground right here. So then what's the answer? Well, traditionally, the human race has always had this problem. We've always, we've always faced inflation, whether it was the Romans or Genghis Khan or you know us here in modern America. And so what do you do? Well, money, riches, wealth, it finds a way. It, 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 it's almost like the, the water that finds the crevice that turns into the river that turns into the canyon. Like, and so what's happening around us, whether we want to embrace it or not, that's a different question. But what's happening in 2009, this little thing called Bitcoin was released into the, into the universe by this pseudonymous founder um, who purposefully kept himself anonymous and basically, now, the easiest way to describe Bitcoin is it's the largest computer network on the planet. So I think we can all understand that, right? Mm -hmm. That's not too, like, crazy sort of. to think about. But, like, think about all of the computers <laughs> yeah. in this office, in, in, our, in our homes, in, in massive warehouses in Iceland, wherever. <laughs> they're distributed all over the planet. So... What Bitcoin is before it's ever a currency or a, or an alternative to um, fiat currencies is that it's a peer-to-peer -peer computer network. And I think if you can understand that, then you go, okay, great. That means that someone at the Federal Reserve can't push a button because they don't control all those decentralized computers. Yeah, An algorithm does. And if you if you believe I know I know you do if y'all believe what I believe about human nature is that yeah. we, you know if you've read anything from J.R. Tolkien <laughs> that when you're handed the ring of power you usually as a race tend to corrupt mm -hmm. whatever power you you've been given and so the decentralization of currency and the management of its value has it we're ba and this is the scary part this is the scary part for us even for me. As a traditionalist, you're you're handing over management of value to a non-human centralized entity. And so what you've got to ask yourself is, do I believe in a central human, like a CEO of Chase Bank, as much as I do millions of computers across the world that have a predetermined agenda to make sure Bitcoin doesn't lose its value. And that's kind of the conscious question you've got to ask yourself. <laughs> I don't like any of it. Yeah. And again, and I don't break computers and algorithms away from like Mark Zuckerberg. Sure. But like if Elon Musk was the one that created it, I would be all in. <laughs> I would, I would sell my house and buy Bitcoin if it was Elon, but you know, yeah, but and then, I have a man crush. Can you tell? Well, and that's that that's part of it too. And so, like, Bitcoin's different than the, all the other zoo animals too. So that's why I said zoology when you asked me that question. So crypto is not uh, cut and dry. It, it it it's it's evolving. There, it's this organic, almost viral thing that's happening in the market. Every quarter, there's a new manifestation of um, of cryptocurrency. And it, like, for example, in 2020, the summer of 2020, we call it the, the, the DeFi summer. It's basically the advent of decentralized finance. So if you're listening to this and, or watching this and you're like, man, I'm mad at my bank for X, Y, or Z. Yeah. If you've, if you're mad at your bank, if you're mad at crypt, if you're, if you're mad at the fact that a hundred dollars today was, is not the same amount of as a hundred dollars two years ago, or whatever, fees, uh, poor management, lazy, whatever. If decentralized banking is the answer, because what that is, is it allows us to store, house, and earn off of our money in a way that the central banks are basically just taking our money, not paying us interest or taking our capital, and then going and earn billions and billions of dollars, and the rest is 
obvious. You know, and really, uh, we always like to say the dollar is backed by gold, that we were on the gold standard and the gold and silver standard. And yet, as you pointed out, the solution for government when things are tough is we'll just print more money. Mm-hmm. So every dollar bill, uh, that's the essence of losing value. The more dollar bills there are in currency, the less value it has anyway. Yeah. Um, so in a sense, it, it's not that big of a leap to go to the, the crypto idea of values what we place on it. Um, another great example, I read a story years ago that we, we value diamonds and yet diamonds are incredibly common, yeah. you know, but yet we as man has decided that diamonds have some sort of inherent value to them that they really don't in geology. But yeah. again, it's more of a man-made idea of what has value and what doesn't. Well, to your point, so then the inversion of that is, you know, in the Nixon administration uh, moved us away from the gold standard, right? right. So, so then it was, you know, here we have the world reserve currency, and it's backed by what? 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 What, is it, what did I grow up here in all my life that it's backed by? Gold. gold. But then, or, but then after gold, it was well. It's backed by the 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 will, the integrity, and oh, the yeah. presence of the U.S. Of the government. United States, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Great folks. Yeah, and so yeah, the Federal Reserve. <laughs> and so yeah, and so now we're sitting here in this room, and there's the sentiment nationally, whatever, however you want to gauge it. You, we have dollars in our pockets, maybe, or in our in on our debit cards. And credit cards, et cetera, that are backed by what possibly the lowest sentiment ever of a, of a people to trust a, a modern democracy. Yeah. And so then people are like, well, then what's Bitcoin backed by? And I'm just like, well, what's the US dollar backed by? It's backed by us believing in basically central government. And that's just a risk that I'm not willing to take in the future. Yeah. And as we get away too from the idea that we know Russia and China are trying to get the US dollars, not the basis for worldwide currency anymore puts us in a panic yeah. because we have been the, the the backbone of the world economy for so long. And I understand that uh, the devaluation of the dollar will, will affect us. And so it's, it's an interesting concept to move away from a government, multiple governments to strictly an algorithm, yeah. I guess, for lack of a better sure. word. Yeah. And as much as I've read my science fiction and I'm terrified of when all the computers finally wake up, that's coming. <laughs> you know, and, and, the you know, they, there's enough nerve Terminator. endings that suddenly they become a living uh, organism. If you uh, organism, if you read Ray Bradbury, uh, I do get it. I, yeah. I do get it as an independent sense of source of, of value. That yeah, it's like the Bitcoin's almost like the ultimate libertarian yeah. approach to uh, to money and currency. But ultimately, it's kind of like, hey, do you do you trust Windows? Or do you trust your Apple OS on your computer? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a benign algorithm, you know, one that isn't malicious or corrupt or greedy, you know, yeah. and that's 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 what we believe. So the value of a Bitcoin is based on how many people put value into a Bitcoin. You know, that's so there's I would I would break it. There's Bitcoin maximalists that are going to watch this and want to execute me, but I yeah. would simplify it and to make it country yeah. simple here for Josh. Yeah. There's two ways I would look at it. Number one, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. Program programmatically, there will only ever be that many. And then number two is um, it's it's um, dirt. Well, there's there's multiple layers to my number two, but basically there's this durability portability. And let's just let's step outside of Alabama for a second and let's 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 think like global citizens, as scary as that might sound. But for a minute, think about globally how many people are or even in Alabama who don't have a bank account and they can't get a bank account either because of accessibility or uh, maybe they live in a caste system whether it be a, an, a formal or a cat or, or an informal caste system or whatever they're ranking uh, societal placement doesn't allow them to have a retail bank account, which then prevents them to own assets, to have really consistent income, liquidity, et cetera. But, you know, there are remote nation or nations or villages in, in third world countries and continents that have access to maybe a, an, an internet signal or a cell phone. And if you have that, that access, then you can have a wallet uh, or some kind of uh, access to uh, a decentralized bank 
Yeah. And so that that then allows them to be and then think about our declaration and our constitution that talks about property ownership. Yeah. And so ultimately, my big pitch to people when it comes to Bitcoin and crypto is it's the ultimate um despite geopolitical conflict, it's the ultimate individual sovereignty tool. If we believe in individual freedom uh globally, then here in Alabama, we have an awesome opportunity to have this exact same effect on our citizenry. Mm. So help me understand the interaction then between the various name brands of cryptocurrency then. How do they interact? Yeah. I mean, everybody knows Bitcoin, but I'm aware that yeah. there are a lot of other cryptocurrency yeah, and I didn't finish my thought earlier. Okay. So in the world of cryptozoology, you know, bit, there's Bitcoin and there's everything else, basically. So yeah. Bitcoin is truly probably the only truly decentralized platform that we actually have so far. You know, it's only been around for 13 years, and its stats are awesome. It's never been hacked. Uh, it, it can't be hacked. And it has a over 148% year-over-year return in value, which outpaces gold and the S&P 500 big time. Now, that being said, just from a performance standpoint, the other uh, cryptos are what we call altcoins, alternative coins to Bitcoin. And they oftentimes, the way you just need to look at those are literally software companies. That's all they are. They are they are blockchain technology companies. And um, depending on which, which one it is, they have different utilities. You know, and that's what you're looking for. And that's that's what you should have a healthy skepticism around. So those there's there's a difference in investing in crypto and playing the crypto slot machine. Yeah. Like so for those of us who've bought Dogecoin or Shiba Inu or one of these community meme coins that do not have a literal utility, you're playing the slot machines. Yeah. But for like Ethereum, it's pro, it's programmable money. Basically, it's a platform or a scaffolding that all other crypto can be built upon. Um, I was even looking at uh, one this morning, and it hasn't launched publicly, but their entire utility will be to um, basically decentralize and protect data. Or like when we when we log into things or we buy things or we opt into things in company like data brokerages, yeah. it's a massive multi-billion dollar, it's like a $200 billion a year industry. And they're, you know, they're sharing our stuff and they're targeting in us and all that stuff and they're using it for <clears throat> devious purposes. Except for when you subscribe to 1819news.com, <laughs> we will not sell your we information. We will not. But that there's utilities like that that the blockchain is going to give us that are going to protect again our individual privacy and rights. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh and I guess then the next question becomes how do I buy something mm. with cryptocurrency? Great question. I mean, because money only has value in that how I can use it or money or whatever you want to call it. Uh, my bartering system is only as good as what somebody else wants that's right. so that I can get what I need with it. That's right. It's it's as easy as, as it's ever been, I'm happy to say. And here's what you, here's all you need to know. Let's say you've got $100 and you're just like, I want to buy some Bitcoin. You simply need to open what's called a, central, a centralized exchange account. If you've ever heard of TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or any of the stock trading right. platforms, the the equivalents, they have peers in the crypto space like uh, Coinbase, Gemini, FTX, Binance. There's literally hundred, hundreds of them. Uh, but if you're in the U.S., if you're in Alabama, Coinbase is a fine place to start, Gemini, FTX. And um, you simply ACH your money into the centralized exchange and you click buy and you're in. What it's, is ACH? Uh, the, the automatic bank transfer. I do um, know what that is. <laughs> yeah. It's the thing. It's the, or, or you can wire it or you yeah. can wire it uh, either way. And, um, and the centralized exchange, just for everybody listen, they'll put a hold on your money while you, while, while it's in your centralized account, because what they're doing is they're trying to keep you from being a money launderer or a fraud. And so, uh, but you can go ahead and immediately buy your Bitcoin or your Ethereum or whatever and then hold it in your central exchange. Or if you want to do it super securely, and I have to say this, uh, not to overwhelm people, but they have offline USB type wallets that you move then that Bitcoin to. And then it's like 
the ultimate expression of individual sovereignty. Like I have my bank in my house on the USB drive with three, <laughs> three, uh, you know, layers of redundancy of security passphrases and all that stuff. And um, yeah, that that's the beginning, I think, of people getting lifted out of not owning assets or properties because Bitcoin is property. It's simply digital property, you know, it, but it has the characteristics of assets. You can borrow against it. Uh, it can earn daily residual income. Uh, it, it, it has a creative value historically. And so um, it's a, it's a really, really powerful currency. Uh, it's a, a whole nother realm. But as you're talking, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, digital art has become this big thing that people invest in and yet it's not tangible. I mean, it just, I, I, I appreciate art. We, we like to buy and invest in artists, but I'm somebody's telling me about digital art. I'm going, but you don't, have it. You don't possess it to hang on your wallet. That's it's unfortunately this is kind of what the cryptocurrency begins to sound to me like. I I want something that I can touch yeah. and feel. Yeah, you're uh, talking about the NFT side right. of things. Yeah. yeah. And the the crazy thing I'm with you on the art side, but there is a further utility for NFTs. Basically the future of NFTs or non-fungible tokens is going to be kind of like the deed to our homes or our property. You know, like we can go down the county courthouse right now and see a mm-hmm. Uh, the property deed, right? We've obviously we've got a paper copy in our homes, maybe you're in your filing cabinet, but we didn't have a language for the smart contract technology, the blockchain, non-fungible token. We didn't have language for that. I mean, even right now, like you, you two guys are smart, intelligent guys and I'm catching up with you and we're just sitting here trying to talk about NFTs still. We didn't have language or categories for it. And so they had to come up with like mutant zombie apes and, um, you know, moon birds and all these various crazy cartoons to to help us just adopt. But yeah. the future of it is, hey, Brian's got a house and he wants to tokenize it instead of selling it. And so he could break, maybe his house is worth a million dollars and he breaks it up <laughs> by 10 yeah. and he sells nine tenths of it to nine different people and each of them get an NFT because they paid $100,000 each. And you've got the 900000 that you can go do with whatever you want to because you have liquidity. You just turned your asset into a liquid you know, asset that you can invest elsewhere. And wow. that's where the NFT My technology My head is just completely will. blown. So <laughs> that's the future of what we're moving to. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Well, um, there's so much. And, and I think... Like anything else, I think I know I personally do. I think humans overall, we learn in layers. And so it's like I have to hear it over <laughs> yeah. and over and over again. And it finally makes sense. I'm I personally, have, you know, my favorite thing to listen to right now is uh, Grant Cardone and Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. They're kind of the ones that I listen to. Uh, Grant's a little bit more aggressive than Robert, um, which is more like me. <laughs> sure. Um, but it's interesting too. And I have to say it too, like the, the, when you watch Robert and his wife and the Botox <laughs> and you see her eyebrows are up anyway, that's right. neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, um, I am in this space now where, you know, I have made decent amount of money for, you know, a few years and I'm starting to not live paycheck to paycheck. Um, and you know, cause I, I think the, the first thing that you, you have to event, you know, somehow do is, is get to the point where you can save part of your paycheck yeah. or, and then invest or something like that. What, what do you think is a good, um, beginner's guide roadmap to financial freedom for average Alabamians who are watching this, who know that they want that, but they just don't know how to attain it. This is going to sound oversimplistic. But I've already basically what I've set up until now is the simple version of buy Bitcoin, yeah, and buy buy Ethereum. And you can here's the wonderful part: it's it, you know, I remember thinking, man, I wish I could buy shares of Berkshire Hathaway, you yeah. know, and it was like fifty two thousand dollars a share or something like that. Well, one of the other great parts of crypto, especially Bitcoin, is that it's fractional. So, like, you know, if you're working at the gas station or the grocery store or you know, you're working an hourly wage or whatever it is that you're doing, you can buy Bitcoin today. You do not have to wait until you have a life savings that you can now figure out what to deploy. I would encourage anyone to start a drip savings account, you know, maybe set aside weekly or monthly amount of money. I know plenty of people who've done this for years now and have ridden the wave of Bitcoin up, you know, since 2015, 2014, just 
you know, putting fifty dollars a month in. You know, you can open a Robinhood app today and buy crypto. Like there, this is stuff is it's out there. Like if you've got a cell phone, you can own crypto. It's 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 the most accessible property we can buy. You know, if you want to do a real estate deal, a you got to have the capital. B, if you're borrowing it from a traditional financial system, good luck closing in the next thirty days. Right? It's yeah. not as accessible. You can have Bitcoin today. You can use it as leverage today in the next 30 minutes. And so I would say anybody just needs to get in the game. Whatever amount, it's subjective to your personal, outrageous, specific goals. Yeah. But go ahead and get in the game and just and just start riding the waves. What um what again, like I, I like when you go back to 2009 to now, the increase has been ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What can, again, and it's not like we're going to hold you to this, but like what, like if, so if I went and put $10,000 in Bitcoin, you know, which would essentially anyway, yeah. but I, but you know, I say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I go and I put $10,000 into Bitcoin. What can I expect to, you know, again, expect to make is dangerous when you're talking investments. However, um, and Bitcoin someone, has gone down sure. at, at times, so oh, yeah. it is a fluctuating. It's volatile value. asset, yes. Yeah. And and I think you'll appreciate this too, uh, Ray. It, it, and I think you, I honestly think you, what you verbalize represents eighty percent of the population. You know, there's only twenty percent of Americans who own crypto at all. Three percent of the world own it. But every Super Bowl commercial was about what crypto? Yeah. <laughs> like it was crazy. So <clears throat> here's the here's what I believe the future roadmap is. And obviously, 1819 isn't here to give financial advice, but let me just put some pegs out there. Right now, Bitcoin's market cap, the market capitalization, basically the reflection of its adoption globally in a financial term is at about $800 billion, give or take $20 billion to when you look at it. Now, last November, it touched a tri- $1.3 trillion. To give everybody an anchor or context, gold's total gold. How long gold been around? We actually don't know how much gold there is, first of all. So we don't know how rare and and scarce it is. But it has a $10 trillion, is believed to have a $10 trillion market cap. Bitcoin's been around for 13 years, and it's flirting with $1 trillion. Uh, We do know because of Metcalfe's law of adoption and uh, because of uh, the uh, Fidelity Investments, who manages $4 trillion of assets under management every year, they have brought out studies to where mobile technology and the internet are the same adoption curve as Bitcoin, or Bitcoin is the same as them. So we know that the there's an enormous amount of people every day adopting it. The more people adopt it based on Metcalfe's law of adoption, the more valuable that network and the assets therein become. All ships rise with the tide. Okay, so then on the current rate that we're moving and growing and adopting – uh, it's believed that Bitcoin could be flirting with a ten trillion dollar market cap like gold by twenty thirty. And so, if it's at one right now, and it could be, and it could be ten by twenty thirty. So, if if you invested now, you could ten x your money essentially. You're, yeah, you're looking at a potentially a million dollar Bitcoin between now and twenty thirty. That's the theory. That's the forecast by by people smarter <clears throat> than me, like Kathy Wood, Ark Investments, who's a you know, a legendary NASDAQ investor, Michael Saylor, uh, CEO, owner of MicroStrategy. What would be something that would be the Achilles heel if there is one or something that could just like deflate or kill or so, so, so I think about it like this, not to be a full blown conspiracy theorist, but like, which is just, they call that just normal these days. But, (laughs) um, you know, so, so say I am, a big oil and gas guy. And then some Elon Musk or someone comes in and they're making electric cars. And like he named his company after Tesla. And there's a lot of people who believe that Tesla was killed because his ideas were going to put some Mm. big business out of business. And so if I'm a traditional investor, I'm in gold or I'm, I don't know who the, 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 the players or the, the people would be. Are there people who don't want to see Bitcoin succeed? And is there something they could do to keep it from, or is there, is there some type of, you know, looming doom that could happen to Bitcoin? Well, for a while, people thought that central government, um, specifically here in America, was would be that. Um, I don't think oil or some of the commodity-based, you know, yeah. big guys are against Bitcoin simply because it's not really head-to-head competition for them. Yeah. Ultimately, it will help them that more that more so than hurt them because right now, U.S. Do, you know, oil is traded on the U.S. dollar industrialized nation. So, well, that doesn't that hurts them when the U.S. dollar gets weaker. So. 
ultimately, if oil's traded in Bitcoin, their oil is going, they're going to get paid a lot more because there's going to be a moment where we go, wait a second, I own, I own 10 Bitcoin. I'm not trading that for US dollars. Yeah. Why would I trade that for fiat currency? There'll yeah. be a moment of critical mass where it, it sh- it's like the Indiana Jones stone and golden monkey th- statue switch. We'll right. have that. But there, it was believed for a while that, oh gosh, you know, markets hate um, uncertainty. Yeah. What's the U.S. government going to do? Are they going to regulate this into oblivion? Are they going to shut it down? Because uh, last they're couple, good at that. yeah, they're they're great at that with certain awesome yeah. innovations. Yeah, they kill Ch- things. But you know, China. I think China. What they did. I think it was 2021 specifically. They banned all Bitcoin mining, which they had over 40 percent of the world Bitcoin mining capacity. You know what happened to Bitcoin? It went through the roof. The reason why? Decent, the largest decentralized network of computers on the planet. It simply moved. It de- it, it was like an amoeba. It's like this, you know, it's like a virus. Like it just moved to different parts of the world, and it made other parts of the world richer. Like El Salvador, who's who adopted it as the legal tender. Now their GDP is or uh, GDP is up like eight percent year over year. So my point is, what's happening? What I see rhetorically happening in the U.S. is local politicians. Which, by the way, if you're in Alabama and you're a local politician, I think we need to start talking about Bitcoin more. Um, you start seeing uh, state and federal politicians, both sides of the aisle, are competing on who who can be more pro Bitcoin. It's what's happening. Even the hey, give the Biden administration some credit here. They came out with a very gratuitous executive order to the rest of the departments to say, hey. Figure this out. This is an innovation we need to incubate, is my paraphrase, which was signal to the markets, hey, we're not shutting this down. There, there's going to be more certainty coming. And what's going to make Bitcoin get to a million dollars, if you really want to follow, not conspiracy theory, but but game theory is, yeah. right now, if you own a, if you run a sovereign wealth fund or a pension fund or something like that, we're like, we're the, the this is the wealth of nation stuff, like outside the Federal Reserve quantitative easing, but like the real money in our countries. Yeah. They can't buy Bitcoin legally right now because it's unregulated. So the moment that regulation hits and it, we actually have rules of engagement, there's going to be so much liquidity entered the market and so much Bitcoin adoption by institutional dollars. This is the first time in history where retail money is ahead or a step ahead of institutional dollars. And that's the reason, going back to your question, people need to own Bitcoin. So so out of everything we've talked about and all the conversations we've had, that right there is the one that actually sells me on on it is, is because – you know, because for whatever reason it is legally, it's it's illegal for the people who always buy everything out and crush everyone. They're not allowed to do it, but when they are, they're going to buy everyone out and crush them. That's right. And so if you can get ahead of them, right, and you can, you can you know, put money into that and so that you're actually trending ahead of them, and then as soon as those those leashes are, leashes are taken off of those people, they will go in yes. um, and buy it all up, and at that point, it'll be for a pretty penny. Yes. Well, um, you said something, um, 1819 News isn't uh, here to help, how did you say it, like to be financial advisors? Yeah, financial advisors. Yeah. Yeah. So no, but you are, and so that's why we brought you on. And so, you know, kind of one of the, the hopes and visions, at least for this podcast and also overall for, for our media outlet, you know, we, we do when, when it's time to be, we're hyper-focused on politics, right? When the legislative session's in, we're down there, we've got... We always say we have twice as many reporters as anybody else. Mm. We have two. They have one. <laughs> um, but um, you know, we and we'll have we'll we'll probably end up with more um, by next legislative session. But point being, you know, when 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 it's time to focus on that, we're hyper focused on that, and we want to do that better than anybody. But legislative session is three or four months out of the year. There's eight months that it's not. I guess kind of like football season. Um, and um, what we want to do is help our audience to be more well-rounded. And and so, you know, kind of the three areas that I really want to focus on, and I think financial ties into that, um, is I want um, the people of Alabama to take responsibility for their families. Yeah. Um, we have subcontracted out the discipleship of our children. Um, if you want to send your kids to public schools, that's fine, but at least take responsibility for their, their, their you know, the Bible says, train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Take responsibility for that. If, if you want to send them to public school, it's fine. If you want to send them to private school, fine. If you want to homeschool, fine. I'm not going to have that argument. I have my feelings, but that's not the argument. Take responsibility for, for the upbringing of your children. Take responsibility for your family. Don't subcontract that out. Don't just assume that someone else is going to do it for you. Yeah. Um, and then uh, coming in on our health, we just got into this huge health crisis. Um, 
And you look around at just the overall health and well-being of uh, the people of Alabama. And it's not just the people of Alabama. It's just the people of America. They have a thing called the American diet, right? And it creates morbid obesity and you're morbidly obese. And then you're basically dependent on medical systems. And now we're seeing how trustworthy are these medical systems after all. And so we need to take responsibility for our health. We need to be exercising. We need to have a good diet and those type of things. And then ultimately our government, and that'll get back to the politics. You know, it's our government. We need to take responsibility for it. And, and we, and, and freedom is hard. We always talk about that. Freedom is, is not easy. You have to educate yourself. You have to pay attention. You have to be vigilant um, because that's power. And that's power that our founders in their brilliance gave to us um, to, and, and if, if we don't do it, someone else is happy to vacuum up that power that's supposed to be ours. And then they're going to do it not for our good, but for mm. theirs. And then we suffer. So all of these areas, and, and those are just three, there's more. Um, I think if, if we can grow, uh, in, in our overall well-rounded health of, yeah. of taking responsibility for these areas, um, that's how we take our state back is by essentially being personally responsible. Yeah. And so, I think Alabama can be a leader in the financial responsibility uh, arena, specifically even the state government. I think crypto, specifically Bitcoin, could solve a ton of our fiscal problems in mm, the state. You have to you have to unpack that now. Well, ultimately, you know, w- what is Alabama's reputation? I mean, you guys tell me uh, <clears throat> if if you're if you're from the outside of Alabama, and but we're specifically talking about Montgomery. What's the perception of how we manage our finances as a state? Uh, well, we're heavily dependent upon federal government money coming in. Yep. And uh, typically it is continuing to spend and expand more than um, uh, more than be conservative or, or re- return money to people. Agreed. Yeah. And so that so that basically dependence on foreign oil, even yeah. though it's coming from our federal government, as Alabamians, we don't like that. We don't want to have that, and we, you know, we're we're angry at our bureaucrats and our politicians for taking the the government doles and distributing it into things that aren't necessarily wise choices. Um, and we can name the list of things that we don't like, right? But what would happen if the state treasury has had an accretive asset that outperformed the federal government and their ability to print money and made us go, oh yeah. You, that's cool. Y'all can send us some some U.S. dollar. That's great. But we've got Bitcoin, and we don't need that. And it's it's it, to me, it preserves the idea of federalism. Yeah. More than anything else, because now mm. we're not dependent on interesting concept. Washington, state sovereignty via Bitcoin. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yes. The South will rise again. <laughs> um, guys, <laughs> uh, another economic question, and away from Bitcoin a little bit, but I I I, I found this fascinating when I've talked to economists. There is a cash economy in this country mm. that is unreported, that is massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw this uh, in, when I worked for the uh, during the oil spill on the Gulf and worked for BP, and the sheer—one uh, economist told me that the GDP of this country, an unreported economy, may be equal to the actual GDP of reported <laughs> economy. Wow, That's yeah. how great it is. Sure. There's a lot of people with a lot of money, I guess is what I'm really trying to get mm-hmm. to. Um is that one reason why inflation, it hurts, but it's not crippling us right now? Mm. I mean, it's almost like people, okay, I don't like gas prices, but it's not really stopping me from from buying gas. Or I don't mm. like the prices of, of houses, but it's not stopping me from going out and buying a house. Where does that end or where does that come into a line? That's a real broad sort of vague question, but I'm always fascinated at just the savings and the amount of money that people have in this country right now is sort of uh, at a higher level than it has been. For, well, again, I'm not a macroeconomic uh, economist, but um, my best understanding is that usually inflation um, seeps into the economy via hard assets, typically. And so, what I think we're we're living off of right now is just a little bit more a better version of a credit card. Yeah. For in in most cases, um, both from you know. My house was worth $200,000, and now it's worth $600,000 just because of insane quantitative easing and uh, you know a- asset inflation, which is the reason why the wealthy keep getting wealthier, and those who don't own property can't seem to break through the glass ceiling. So I would say that the vast majority of people are, at, are feeling it at the pump you know, and feeling it at the grocery store more than ever. 
Um, but I think um, that is we're on a short few. I think we're on a short runway there. I, I think if it, if thing in, in the the Federal Reserve uh, is pitching this idea right now that inflation is transitory, and then basically they're trying to say it's not as big of a deal. Um, but yet we're, we're, we'll see what you know Chairman Powell does. I, I think he's probably about to raise interest rates another half percent. Some might even think three quarters of a percent, and then. Here's the conspiracy theory that you love. <laughs> they're going to say, all right, we're going to be tough on the, in our May meeting. And then they're going to go, oh, you know what? Jobs aren't as good as we said they were. Oh, the economy's not as strong as they said we said it was. Because right now the, the narrative is, that, hey, inflation's high, but the economy's strong. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's reduce the balance sheet. Let's get interest rates up a little bit. And let's start cooling this thing down. And we're going to do a soft landing. What I think is going to happen until the new, the midterms are over is he's going to come out and say, "Hey, we're going to we're going to hike them in May," and then the next meeting they're going to be like, "No, no, no, it's worse than we thought," and and this is total prediction. This is total Monday morning quarterback. Right. But like, um, they're going to basically let loose the quantitative easing and money printing some more, and everybody's going to start feeling good again. The mm-hmm. the markets are going to go through the roof. Everybody's going to feel rich again. They're not going to feel that t- that that pinch. There's going to be liquidity, and in the short term, when the when the government or the central banks print money, it makes us all feel great. It's literally right. heroin. Yeah, and it's weird, like the the psych- psychological control of it all. And like I noticed it the other day, like they brought gas up to like four fifty, and then they dropped it down to three fifty. And everyone's like, "Oh, thank God!" Yeah, this is only three fifty. Gas is only three fifty. It's like, dude, that's a dollar fifty more than thank, it should thanks be. Thanks to our caretakers. Yes, yeah. thank gosh. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, you know, it, it really is just sort of uh, the whole money system and the value. And uh, again, being an old guy, I was telling this story the other day to my kids. I can remember as a seventeen-year-old sitting in Malir's Barbecue in Noonan, Georgia, talking about Corvettes. Oh, if we could just afford a Corvette, but a brand new Corvette is seven thousand dollars. That's just blow. You know, there's no way we will ever afford a seven thousand dollar Corvette. Now they're a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I still can't afford my Corvette, but it just shows. Yeah. Over in my lifetime, uh, again, what what the value of the dollar has changed so dramatically. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm it's a living great in a illustration. house. That, yeah. When I was a kid, the value of my house it was beyond. There was Beyond my wildest dreams, I would never live in a house that's worth what my house is worth. And now it's just an average house. Yes, it, it, it really is. Age puts you in a system of going, this is just nuts. Which is which is a so if you if you if you pause and, and reflect on that, it's almost like a self evident truth. Yeah. On we just need again whether you believe in crypto or not, we we you, you we can agree on the fact that we need a better currency. Yeah. We need a yeah. better way of protecting our sovereign wealth uh, or approach to wealth as a country and as a state. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's Dave Ramsey it real quick. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what is a good, I'm just going back to all the different people who could potentially be listening that are maybe not high level and, you know, investors that don't have a yeah. Robin hood account or, you know, any sure. of that kind of stuff. What are just some good basic principles? I'll lay a couple of them out there that I've been taught and you can shoot them down or, or carry on with them. You know, um, you know, assuming that you're a member of a church that you should tithe. And so you get your paycheck, you give your 10 percent. Um, and then after that, you save 10 percent. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you save enough to where you can invest with it. And, you, and, and, and you're kind of maybe saying, um, don't even save, just go straight to investment. And, and especially with us losing 20 percent a year on any cash that's stored. What like building off of that, like what what would be a, like as a person who's looking at their budget, they don't have a lot of room, but just like some good discipline that could put them in a position to change their financial circumstances using like just discipline. Well, I think the things you just said are are, are not crazy at all. Um, I'll give you one like specific crypto, pro, uh, uh, a crypto specific thing that people don't realize exists. Mm-hmm. This is a great example. So there are there are cryptocurrencies called stable coins that are pegged to the US dollar algorithmically. So they don't do this on the chart. They're yeah. not peaks and valleys. It's just always worth a dollar, you know, 99 cents, dollar one, but like it's always there. Okay. You can take uh let's just say you have five you've saved up five thousand dollars, right? You got five thousand dollars in the bank, but man, that bank, it's like it's like moths are eating at the clothes in the closet, right? Yeah. It's just degrading. 
how do we fight inflation or how do we fight anything that is manipulating the value of our dollar? We'll take it out buy stablecoin. I'll give you a great example is USDC. You can buy it on Coinbase or whatever. Literally, these are central exchanges are free to set up. Anybody with an internet connection can do this on a phone. So just take your five grand and put it in stablecoin, and then you can earn 20% APY on on those stablecoins these days just by a a simple... um, strategy that we call staking, which is when you take your $5,000 and do what the banks wanted you to do to do to begin with, is you give them to certain investment vehicles, and these are widely uh, discoverable online, that will say, hey, if you'll let us hold or cus- be the custodian of your five grand, we'll pay you 20% annual percentage uh, yield, and um, you can take it back whenever you want to. It's just like a bank. It's just a digital decentralized hmm. bank. And now you're literally fighting inflation. You're you're fighting the actual, you know, beyond the consumer pricing index, the CPI that the government puts out. They say it's like eight, five to eight percent usually. It's usually fifteen to twenty percent in reality because they don't index all the things that matter. Yeah. So you can go earn twenty percent right now. Conser- that's like the, the most conservative play. You don't even even if you don't want to buy Bitcoin and ride the waves, you can just buy stablecoin and just throw it in there and earn twenty percent. And conservative outside of that space, you're looking at 4 to 10%, right? Like 4% is what money is usually... Yeah, the S&P 500, if you buy a Vanguard S&P 500 index, you're getting 12% on a good year. Max, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, good stuff. Um, you got anything else, Ray? Are you still over there mind blown well, too? I'm, My head hurts. As I said, it's, uh, yeah, mind is blown a little yeah. bit. So what you guys are going to need to do is watch this episode repeatedly until you are a savvy crypto <laughs> investor. And that's the beauty of media is it's all recorded and you can just rewatch and rewatch. Um, Josh, where, where can people find you? How can they learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, the vision of my brand is to merge uh, Southern hospitality with the greatest financial technology in history, which is crypto. And so they can go to CryptoYall.co. If you're crypto curious... And you want to learn more and get access to affordable education in, in the crypto world, just go to CryptoYall.co, join my email list there. It's a case study. And um, I'll I'll talk to you in your inbox. Is there any apostrophes in that y'all or is it nope. just Y-A-L-L? Yeah, just in, it, unfortunately the domain won't let me, so it's okay. just straight up. Want to make sure. And it's .co, not .com. .co, okay. Well, good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I learned a lot, and I think maybe some of it will seep into my fat meathead on the drive back to Wetumpka. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll have an aha epiphany moment, and I'll become a savvy investor. I'm trying to figure out how to sell off nine-tenths of my house. That's yeah. <laughs> right? keep it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff. Um, again, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Go there, sign up, subscribe. Um Well, until next time, uh, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry.